Welcome to Episode 6 of City News 680, 30 Years in the Rearview Mirror. I'm Scott Metcalf, former news director at 680. This episode covers the years from 2018 to 2023. The dominating story, of course, during those years has been COVID. We'll take a look back at some of the top stories, including COVID. But with this being the final episode in the Rearview Mirror podcast, we'll focus more on looking through the front windshield and what's coming up on the horizon. One of the more important factors for the future is finding new people to add their voices to the legacy of City News 680. The internship program has been very successful in finding those new people, and we'll have more on the internship program coming up. But while 680 tries to find young people, it's even better when young people find 680. Samantha Knight and Mitch Burke are excellent examples of that. NHL Hall of Famer Ken Dryden has asked the question, what is the golden age of sports? The answer is the golden age is when you were a child, when you started to become fascinated in sports or something else. Samantha and Mitch felt the gravitational pull of 680 when they were just kids. Listening in the car along with their parents, they dreamed about working at 680 News and they made it happen. Here now is a conversation between morning show editor Samantha Knight and reporter and anchor Mitch Burke. For me as a kid, like it must have been the routine that I first latched on to when it was in the on in the car, like, you know, easy to follow, easy to understand, good for short attention spans. It checked all the boxes. And then then I think what came after was, OK, then I actually started to like, oh, OK, like this is fascinating, like how, you know, how news is told and i think that's what like when i actually started to understand what was coming through the radio then i'm like okay you know what yeah i want to be a journalist it strikes me that we have very similar stories is that like when yeah. did like the news bug bite news for you honestly i would i i think pretty much it was it was in and around that age of 13 you're you're a kid, you're listening in the back of the car. And I think when I was, yeah, it's when I was really in middle school that I was like, oh my gosh, exactly like you say, this is fascinating. This is what I want to aspire to be and, and do with my, with my life and career. Um, I remember I used to test myself if I, if I didn't catch the, uh, the intro to the reporter and I, and I was listening midway I would try to guess who who it was before they signed off. <laughs> so oh my gosh. I was I honestly had the news wheel memorized before I even knew what a news wheel was. Like I yeah. I lived and breathed 680. I just knew everything. I knew the traffic and weather. I knew the sports, business. I knew when everything was going to come up. So I would test myself and be like, okay, I need to, I'm going to know who this reporter is before they even finish their story. And, and um, honestly, probably nine times out of 10, I, I knew exactly who it was. <laughs> I can picture you like, I can picture Paul reading a lead of like, um, a closure on the 401 and you're just screaming at the radio, Carl. Yeah. yeah. And, or, or, or a winter storm, Jamie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's Jamie Pulfer. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What age do you think you were with that? With when the, when the news bug bit you? Oh, I, I it must've been middle. Like I remember, you know, Paul and Lisa in the mornings were just, they were talking news at you all morning. Yes. But they were 
they were fun about it. And I had this little portable radio. I'd listen to them leaning up against the window of the school bus heading into school for the day. I remember and and it's surreal that this that the same people whose voices haven't changed at all since we were young are still there. I remember um, Jamie uh, through all the winter storms. I'm not sure why I didn't obviously didn't watch The Sopranos when I was a kid, but I remember I think it was the lead story the morning after The Sopranos finale. And for some reason, I remember Jamie Palfer was the lead story on that because that was the big talker of the day. Sure, it was a TV show, but it left everyone gobsmacked. And it's just those little those little stories that are just told so well that, you know, they just stick with you. And it must be because that was the time where I'm like, you know what, this is more than just a little hobby. I actually want to do this. And I think it's a terrifying thing almost to to think you want to do something so early on while your friends around you have no idea what they want to do with their life. I guess it kind of requires putting a lot of stock into that passion, willing to take on risk. Like anything could have happened between then 20 years ago and now, obviously it's incredible that 680 is still the force that it is. And here we are, we found our way. We put in our time. We are so lucky to be working at a place that we know that so many people value, but what would you say? What would you say to kids, you know, like us, like students who, Maybe they're feeling a little disillusioned about the state of the biz, you know, who have the same passion for the industry as you and me, but are like, can I be employed? Can I have a job? I mean, I would say if you're passionate enough and you you will find a way. News continues. People need news in their lives and there will be ways to bring that to people. It's crazy to see this industry change as fast as it is while still having a place in it. What do you think you could tell yourself if Sam was 22 right now and wanted to break into the business? I would say just don't give up. If if it is your dream, don't give up on it. I couldn't tell you how many, even while I was in university, how many professors were like, half of you are never going to make it in this industry. When you graduate, you guys are all going to go into public relations. None of you are going to be broadcasters or be in a broadcast setting. And I honestly, I didn't listen to it when I was in university. And I think if I could tell my you know, my past self or even the kids today who who do want to get into this industry, it's don't give up because I think that if if you, like you said, if you are passionate about something, you will make it happen. I I didn't know how was I to know where where this industry would be when I was 13 and said, I'm going to work for 680 News one day. I I there was no way to tell. And I just said that I was going to do it. And then I made sure that everything I did along the way was to to get me here. And especially, you know, the news is always going to be something that people need. I know it, it's changing the way that we absorb it and, and take it in um, or access it. But I think that, I think that radio really speaks to people and, it's just 680 is such an institution. We are useful. We are helpful. We have, you know, 
we are getting new listeners all the time. The roads are busy. They are back being busy. People are driving and I'm sure they're turning on the radio to know what what's going on with the traffic. How do I get to my destination? I think that is something that we will never lose. Um, I wouldn't want to deter anyone from from entering this industry because it's been you know, so, so fruitful and so rewarding for us and you can succeed. And, and again, it's, it's all how much you put into it and it's, it's your drive and motivation and, you know, proving yourself and doing the best that you can do every day. That was morning show editor, Samantha Knight and reporter and anchor Mitch Burke, who wanted to work at 680 from the time they were kids. Makes you wonder how many kids are listening right now driving around with their parents, thinking about how one day they also want to work at City News 680. Samantha Knight and Mitch Burke and many others found their way into 680 through the internship program. The driving force behind that program is newsroom operations lead, Ann Lavery. She has managed hundreds and hundreds of interns over the years, many of them now holding down key positions in the 680 newsroom. Anne sat down with 680 assistant news director and former intern Patrick Luciani to talk about finding the talent for the future and the internship program. This kind of feels very full circle because you interviewed me when I was an intern and now here I am interviewing you on our 30 Years in the Rear View podcast. So the internship program, it's evolved a lot since it started. How, how does it work? Things have changed over the years. Before it was, we just had one person here, there, but now it's very formalized. Like mm-hmm. you have to put in um, an audition tape. You have to send me writing samples. Uh, it's much more difficult to get in because we have a lot of people, a lot more people applying for it. And I think a lot of them also realize once you're in an internship, that is a real possibility towards a job. Right. Okay. The staff on 680 side will see how you work, what you uh, write like, what you sound like, how often, yeah, I can come in early. Yeah, I can do this. And and you get to see who they are. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing is about the um, the internship program, <laughs> it took me a long time to figure it out. But we have hot weeks. And the hot weeks came from, I used to bring in interns and they would always sit with the same people week after week after week. And I went, that's not right. We got to get them to see other departments. And it took me the longest time to figure out how. And then it dawned on me one day, I'm just going to force you. (laughs) (laughs) Just write it in the schedule. I'm just writing it in the schedule. This week, it's business. This week, (laughs) is traffic. This week, it's whatever department it Mm -hmm. is. And the reason for that was you get to see a much bigger picture of 680. It's not just sitting with, you know, an editor to line up the news. It's to go see how traffic is gathered, collected, and told Mm -hmm. like a story. Same thing with business, the sports department. Right. So uh, something that actually happened today while we're recording this, speaking of the internship program, is something that's relatively new, 680 University 
Mm. Right? Where all of our interns... That happened today. Yes. That happened today. And so we'll, we'll, let's let's go through what that is as well. I'll explain what 680 News University is. So basically, we want to give the students that come here a little extra oomph, a little extra confidence. So we basically take three hours and we send them to department to department and we bring in people like Kevin Meisner to say, hey, this is what it's like to be a reporter. Mm -hmm. And we set them up with Andrew in social. We get them to go into the traffic department. We move them into master control. We put them with the editor so they can see what every department does. Mm -hmm. I started doing, how many people have we actually brought in? And and I think I've been doing this for at least 18 years, the internship. Yeah. Like, how long have you been here? I've been here for 15. 15. Yeah. So I think I've gone back for at least as far as 18, Slajanis 16. I think Cormac is up to 20. Mm-hmm. So I think close to 20 years, 18, 20 years. I used to bring in 10 students per session, spring, summer, winter, fall. Right. That's 40 per year. And I would fan them out overnights, evenings. Every day part would have an intern. Mm-hmm. So we would be able to utilize them to help the staff. And I realized, like, we've had something like 720 interns come through here. And I've actually did a, a calculation. I hire between 25% to 30% of those. Mm-hmm. A lot of people here who uh-huh. are recognizable on air even were... Started off in the internship program here. Absolutely. Yeah. And they don't just stay here. They go on to TV. They go mm-hmm. into other, you know, they go to CBC. They go to wherever. They they start here and they can migrate. And you take a look around. You got Stephanie Henry, Cormac McSweeney. You got Richard Sutherland, Slajana Timinzik. Tammy Sutherland was another one. Mm-hmm. So many people have come through the internship program here. And I think they, they what's different than ours, than all the other ones. And I know about the other ones because I belong to several program advisory committees for schools. Mm-hmm. And so I hear when they go to the CBC, they only get into one department and they do that one thing only. Right. So if they didn't like it or if it didn't resonate with them, it's kind of a lost internship. But here we move you to department to department. In the last two weeks, you get free two weeks what resonated with you most? Right. Go in there. Go try it. So we've had a few people come in. Hey, I'll start at 3 o'clock in the morning with Simon Bennett. I want to see what sports in the morning is like. Right. And they go and they'll, they'll do that. So we try to give them a little extra help, confidence, so they feel that they can actually contribute here just a little bit more. And, and that's really what this is all about, mm-hmm. is to, to be an extension of the newsroom. Um, no, there's no pay, but you get credit because your school requires you to. Right. And if, you know, you, you can get on air. I mean, these are the things you can get on air, voice up your stuff. You get to meet people. So they have a plethora of people out there that are here to answer their questions, help them, whether it's to write a story, um, to hone their voicing skills. And, and we're pretty intern-friendly here. That was 680 Newsroom Operations Lead Ann Lavery in conversation with 680 Assistant News Director and former intern Patrick Luciani. When 680 News started in 1993, the World Wide Web 
with something new. 30 years later, the internet is everything. Heading up the digital life of 680 is Diana Pereira, the manager of enterprise and digital news for City News. Diana has been part of the online world of 680 since the early days of digital. She sat down with Andrew Osman, manager of digital audience and new platforms, to talk about the past and the future of digital at City News 680. Let's talk about a bit, a bit of what you do here at City <laughs> News Toronto now. I know we'll go back a number of years. Um, back to 2006 when you started here um, at 680 News at the time and, you know, take us through, you know, since then. But talk a bit about now. What, what are you responsible for now these days? What I do now, I manage a team of digital reporters. So there are about 10 of us who update our website and our app almost 24-7 with breaking news, weather, traffic, feature stories, video, and audio. Um, that started back in 2006 when I was hired uh, by Rogers. At the time, in 2006, uh, the site was already in existence. There was somebody here uh, named Scott Simpson. Prior to me, he built the site, but it wasn't being updated frequently. I would say it would had maybe one story on it, you know, every hour, perhaps, not even, and they were all in capital letters. You know, the stories were in caps. They were radio scripts full of, you know, spelling mistakes because with a radio script, you don't necessarily need to spell correctly because you're reading it. It's only for you. So that the website really was just slammed together full of radio scripts. So back in the day, back in 2006, um, they hired me as sort of the first web editor. Scott Simpson had been doing broadcast and did the website, you know, on the side of his desk. I was the first full-time employee in web. So at the time, we were hard-coding the website. We were doing everything in HTML. We hired another woman, Patricia DeCuna, about a year, that same year, actually. I was hired in April. She was hired in December. So we were long-standing web journalists here at City News 680. Um, another fun fact about that time, we had no social media yeah. at all, obviously. Um, so the only way to get our stories out there were to put them on the website, hope that loyal listeners would check the website because they knew our brand. And the other way was a huge billboard on the Gardner Expressway, big high, big highway here in Toronto. It was updated once an hour, and it was, I think, west of Spadina Avenue, so sort of in the core of downtown. And our former news director, Scott Metcalf, who's the host of this podcast, trained us, trained Patricia and me to use simple, simple vocabulary to update that billboard. I spoke to Patricia today. We were, you know, brainstorming ideas for today's episode. And she just was laughing, saying, Scott just kept drilling it into me. Pope is dead. <laughs> that is a headline for the billboard. Pope is dead. So that really, uh, really stuck out to her. And I'm so glad she remembered that. I put that billboard out of my brain. It was such a long time ago. And just going back to the, you know, 2006 or mid, mid to late 2000s, what was the digital push like at that time? Uh, as as we were kind of talking, you came into Rogers and joining Rogers, um, starting fresh on the web side of things here, not transitioning else from elsewhere. So starting day one on web, yeah, and seeing that growth. What was the push like back then? And for you know, in the in the four or five first years, you you being here at six eighty for sure, yeah. 
The the luck that I had is that I came from uh, GlobeandMail.com, so I had worked there for seven years, and I was part of the pioneering team that um, brought breaking news to GlobeandMail.com. In that experience as well, the site already existed when I got there, but we, that team, um, we made sure that breaking news, you know, launched in the year 2000, actually, and we went through 9-11 together. So I had that experience of getting people involved. Um, what else can I say? Breaking news is really fluid. So the push to get the team really focused under pressure was a big challenge. Uh, the beauty and sometimes the curse of digital is that we're first and mistakes are instantly shareable, yeah. right? Broadcast has the luxury of going on the fly and not necessarily, you know, we're not deliberately making mistakes on broadcast, but on digital, it's the only platform that it's shareable. So you may have one character in a story and it turns into five or six. So the challenge there, the digital push, as you asked, was to make sure the team was focused on getting the right information. So being accurate is obviously always our first priority versus uh, being first. Were there stories in your time at City News 680 um, that strike you digitally that that you know yes. maybe surprised you in terms of the reception it got or... Mm -hmm. You know, it was just such a powerful story that there was just every day was a new story. I know COVID's obviously one yeah. this podcast has talked about a lot. Yeah. Um, maybe other than that, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> what, what stories stick out to you digitally yeah. um, over those years? Yeah, I'm going to start with COVID. I'm okay. kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, my uh, the one that sticks out the most, and it sounds so cliche, and I hate to even bring it up, but it's the Rob Ford cracks mm. saga. I recall a day in May 2013. Rob Ford, who was, you know, our uh, former mayor, uh, mayor at the time, he called the allegations of his videotaped crack use absolutely not true. And at that very same time that he said that on air live, a 5.2 magnitude earthquake hit Ottawa and we felt it in the newsroom hmm. as we were reporting on the Ford News. So Patricia and I were sitting in the newsroom side by side. Sean and Colin were probably there. Patrick was editing. And we look at each other and we think, like, are we really nervous or is this adrenaline because the room is shaking because we just reported that Ford finally commented on this videotape? No, there was an actual earthquake. We still talk about it today. Like, it was just the, the weirdest moment. Um, many news outlets in Toronto wrote about the fact that the earthquake happened at the very same time that Ford denied the the crack use. It was just a hectic time, to say yeah. the least. I did want to mention our first major video live stream. That was probably in 2013 of the elevator at Toronto City Hall. We would just keep a camera on the elevator to see when our former mayor, Rob Ford, would step yeah. out of it. Because yeah. of the crack scandal, it was our first major live stream. And mm -hmm. I just think it's so funny that that is what we <laughs> live streamed, an elevator door waiting for the mayor to come out at his place of work. Yeah. How was that yeah. a news story? I don't know. I think sometimes you need those kind of <laughs> events to like spark an idea yeah. that not only is something at the time, but turns into a consistent thing. Even though looking back, it might seem ridiculous why that was the thing that took us yeah. to have to live stream something on the, totally. on the website. Yeah. And now it's second nature where you live stream even even some of the smaller stories. Yeah, it's so know? true. Yeah, it's such yeah. a good point. So off, off of those ideas and, and you know, trial and error, um, what what has changed over the years and what sticks out to you as being yeah. one of the bigger bigger changers or, or you know, movers in that yeah. time? 
A few things um, stick out. The number one thing I would say is that we're way more focused. We're not throwing everything at the web. You know, we used to put up long-form audio interviews with musicians from our entertainment reporters at the time. Now we'll put up a video shouldn't be, you know, very long, a minute, a couple of minutes. So we're really focused, um, not only on the length of video and audio, but also the news that we do. We have practical news you can use, explainers on things that affect people in their daily life. We want to help you get from A to B, whether that's explaining a, a traffic closure, um, a transit delay, COVID vaccines, you know, we did a lot of explainers on that, how to find out where to vote. We just had a municipal election in Toronto, what the major platforms were for all the candidates. Um, Today, the grocery rebate that Mm -hmm. the federal government has announced, we have an explainer on that. So just simple content that helps people with their day um, does really well. Even really super simple stuff like our gas prices Mm -hmm. page, we update it every day. Um, we have in what's open and closed every time there's a long weekend. And those things do really well. It's surprising, but it's really just practical news and practical information that that helps people. We also um, have topic pages, which are sort of landing pages that all the content lives on for special occasions like elections, um, the Queen's death recently, the King's coronation, um, I mentioned that we merged the teams in 2013. We also merged the site, so we came, became one site with City News. So we're City News 680, and it's one website. So there's been a lot more coordination between the newsrooms. There's a huge benefit of having a bigger web team because that means we get to have the broadcast staff more involved. My team is constantly training um, broadcasters on you know, search engine optimization tactics, you know, making our content findable on search engines and, you know, writing appropriate leads, which is the beginning of your story. So just that opportunity to train everyone on digital writing, it has been such a huge benefit of, you know, growing the team and having a more focused content approach. Those two things really result in getting more people involved, which has been really great to see. I love coaching my team and just seeing them happy and, you know, creating content that they love is is really great. Yeah, yeah. So here we are in, in 2023, looking back at 30 years. Um, I know we talked about the time that, you know, from, from your start to now on web, you know, starting the digital side of, you know, the news part of Rogers here. Mm-hmm. Where do you see us now? And, and are you, you know, looking back, obviously proud of where you've, you've taken the digital side of things, but what sticks out to you in terms of now and where City News is now digitally yeah. and then moving forward? Yeah, I think I, I'm really proud of everything that we've tried and I'd love to keep experimenting, but I really want to focus in on helping people in their day to day and being that an essential part of the day. I think Paul Cook has mentioned that he can't imagine living in the GTA and not turning on 680. So I have the same the same hope that everybody turns on 680 and looks at the website as well and you know figures out what does this grocery rebate mean to me? Am I eligible for it? Here's a really simple story that you can, you know, share with your friends, share with your family. I'm really uh, looking forward to being that resource, you know, forever really for Torontonians. Um, A few things that I'm looking forward to for the future is um, new platforms. So we're updating our content management system that hopefully will translate into more robust looking stories for the audience. We have a new app coming. 
Um, we'll always need people to produce uh, and write content in a human digestible way. And I say that because of all the talk that's happening around AI right now. AI, I think, has a lot of benefits, but we need humans to feed it. So I'm hoping that that, you know, translates into the content that our readers look at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any, anything else looking back at, at the time here and 30 years of 680 yeah. in general that stick out to you and, and you know, make this, you know, you, you've obviously spent a the largest chunk of your career here at Rogers in, yeah. in the digital news space. So, yeah. you know, there must be something that sticks out that keeps you here yeah. year after year yeah. <laughs> in this in this position and, and stick it around. And I stuff. really so think it's it? another typical answer is the people. <laughs> I mean, you saw I walked into the newsroom mm-hmm. probably half an hour ago now and half of that half an hour was talking to people. These mm-hmm. are my friends. Like, these are people that I've been to their weddings and, you know, I know their their wives and husbands' names. The people are amazing. We produce really good work, but we have a lot of fun together. And I think that's what's kept me around and new people coming in. Andrew, like, we've only known each other for a couple of years and, yeah. you know, we're friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I love the people and I think the fact that everybody cares about the same thing. We care about the products. We care about local news. I think that really just keeps us glued together well no this is great i want to I actually well i want to thank you for your time talking to me yeah um this was fun it's something we don't get to do really ever yeah, like, i ever. learned a lot about yeah. you yeah. in just this chat which, <laughs> yeah. which we talk like almost every day so yeah. it's kind of unique which is fun so thank yeah. thanks scott for letting us do this and yeah thanks, thanks scott we well. miss you yeah yeah so <laughs> thanks amber thanks scott for yeah. sure no i appreciate yeah. it so th- thanks for joining us and and yeah. uh yeah we'll, we'll chat later From, i'm sure yes <laughs> Talk to you in five minutes. Sounds good. <laughs> that was Diana Pereira, Manager of Enterprise and Digital News for City News, talking with Andrew Osman, Manager, Digital Audience and New Platforms. Of all the stories between the years 2018 to 2023, obviously COVID was the most dominant. If you Google COVID-19, you'll get more than 300 million results. At the height of the pandemic, we were all flooded with information and misinformation, and for many, it felt overwhelming. That's when this message ran on the 680 Afternoon Show with James Monroe and Slajana Timinsic. Before we get to the latest on our coverage of the coronavirus pandemic, we would like to send a message to you, the listener. Throughout the day and in the coming weeks, our coverage may become overwhelming for some. It has never been more important to stay informed with the latest from local, provincial, and federal authorities in order to help keep you and your family safe. At 680 News, we are dedicated to bringing you the facts and will continue to do this as this unprecedented situation unfolds. As the federal and provincial governments have stressed, now is the time to remain calm and stay safe. So we are here with you and we will be until the situation is resolved. We'll hear more from James and Slajana coming up in this episode. Aside from covering COVID, 680 had to make sure the newsroom was staffed during the pandemic. Like many businesses, some 680 people were able to work from home, but anchors and reporters and editors and others still had to be in the newsroom and in the studios to keep the station on the air. Looking back on the care and planning that was involved with that, here is assignment editor Charlene Close in conversation with news director Amber LeBlanc. Do you remember the early days of of COVID-19? I mean, Charlene was one of the people that came in the newsroom every single day. Um, you know, do you, do you think back to that at all? It feels like it's so much longer ago than it is. Um, but I remember in the early stages, 
before the WHO had declared it a pandemic. And we're just thinking, eh, it's just going to be the flu. We'll keep an eye on things, monitor it, and then things became larger than life. The The number of phone calls we received during, during the pandemic, people wanting to know uh, more about COVID-19. And then when we had uh, the vaccine rollout, where to get vaccines, there is, um, I think his name was Sam. Uh, Sam's mother called the newsroom, desperate, trying to find a, a spot to get her son vaccinated. And, you know, typically you would just say, okay, well, if you go to the public health website or the Ontario government website, there it is. Um, instead, I said to her, okay, let's try now. And I logged in to the website and she was on uh, the website on, at her end and we're both trying to find spots for her son. And we found a spot for her son. And I thought, I just left it at that and thought, oh, that's the end of it. She actually, she sent me an email thanking me and then saying, oh, can I, can I send you a Tim Hortons gift card? And I said, oh, no, I'm just doing my job here to help. But if you really want to thank me, send me a picture of, of Sam getting his shot and a smile on his face. And she did. She sent me the picture of, of this little guy. And despite getting a needle in his arm, he's, he's smiling. So He was smiling. I so remember the, that. Yeah. So we... We make that we make that connection with our listeners. I remember that. That was that was amazing. And I mean, talk about a little bit about the 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 connection between the team here. I mean, when everyone was working from home, oh, yes. when everyone's working from home, I remember coming to work and like literally it was like a ghost town. Like there was no one on the roads. It was felt post apocalyptic. And just like there's this group of core people that came into work every day. And it was so surreal. It was just wild. I think four people in our newsroom and it seats, what, 20? Yeah. Uh, and Rogers, I give them credit because uh, they made sure we were safe. We had regular testing. We started out testing, I think, twice a week and then went daily um, because we're considered an essential service. We're not saving lives per se, like uh, doctors and nurses and paramedics and firefighters and police, but we are delivering uh, necessary information. We are inf informing the public. So it was important that, that we all stayed healthy because one person gets COVID in here and you take out an entire shift. And that includes people who are reading the news, people who are delivering traffic, weather, everybody down. Um, and we we actually did pretty well because I, I don't think we had a, a catastrophic situation where no. where it took out a shift. No, it we had our first COVID case in March of 2021. So for one full year, we had zero COVID cases. Wow. Which was incredible. And then the time where it got bad was December of 2021 when it was Omicron and then we had oh, no control all, over all anything. Bets were off. Yes, yeah. yes. But, you know, other than that, yeah, like, you know, there's a thing that's important to mention, like the people that came in here every single day had to do a COVID test every single yeah. day. 
just to come in here and and do their jobs. And that's how mm-hmm. dedicated they were. You know, yeah. like it really, when I think about it, I'm shocked that we came in here every single day without the vaccine, without even the hint of a vaccine, just came in and 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 it was a risk. Now I think about it, I'm like, wow. What were we thinking? What were we thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Why did we do that? But it was just this dedication of this group, this lifestyle, and and we just did it. And and you know, it's the the group of people that came in. Like I'll never, we'll never, you know, be mm-hmm. able to lose that teamwork and that experience. It was, it was something. It was actually, it, it was actually kind of weird when when people started coming back in. <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember looking over going, hang on a second, where did all these people come from and did they test? And I was like, no, we're opening the doors more to more people. And that actually took me a little bit to get used to to uh, sitting next to people in the newsroom again. Oh my gosh, for sure. Like even in the Rogers building, there's a big, a big space called the Radio Cafe. And, you know, I used to just walk through the radio cafe and sing along to Celine Dion on 98.1 CHFI. <laughs> Can't do that anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> they think something's wrong with me. But uh, it was a time, that's for sure. Yeah, and and I hope that our listeners appreciated what we delivered. Um, we, we got as many phone calls uh, screaming at us as we did thanking us. The pandemic became a, a polarizing situation, uh, and understandably, um, but also it was an ideal opportunity for us to prove our value. You know, whether you were in your car, where you're there listening online, we had, whether you wanted to hear them or not, we had uh, Premier Ford in the early going, he had... Uh, weekly, maybe even more often, news conferences, and we carried them all. Um, and and that's a big deal because we were giving up money for that. If you don't hear a commercial on our radio station, then that's we're not getting paid. That's how we get right? paid, yeah, exactly. Right. So uh, so the fact that we were able to do that um, was incredible. The, the format didn't didn't matter. It was the focus is always on the listener and how do we Paul Cook always says tell them that their world is safe you know they need to know if their world is safe and a pandemic is the key time where they need to know these things that's it I think it really we've always been news you can use but I think it honed our mission Mm -hmm. that when you need us we're there and that you know, we were not doctors, we're not firefighters, but we were that first line of information for people mm-hmm. and distinguishing between disinformation and facts that people needed. Wow, that became so crystal clear. Um, and the team took that extremely seriously. Mm-hmm. I agree. That was News Director Amber LeBlanc and Assignment Editor Charlene Close talking about how the staff at 680 worked to keep the station on the air and keep themselves safe during the COVID pandemic. As for other major stories that occurred around that time frame, two of them happened in the same year, 2018. The van attack on Young Street and the shooting on Danforth Avenue. Every year, 680 reporters file year-end reports that focus on a particular story. Here's the year-end report about the van attack on Young Street 
in 2018. This is Momin Qureshi taking you back to Monday, April 23rd, the day of the van attack. It was just before 1.30 in the afternoon on a beautiful spring day when the first reports came in, with eyewitnesses saying they saw a man driving a white van southbound on Young Street, beginning near Finch Avenue, driving along the sidewalk, hitting over two dozen people. Kenneth saw the whole thing happen. They started yelling to the pedestrians saying, watch out, watch out, move out of the way, because the guy just threw me down on, on Young Street on the sidewalk. We called 911, police officer arrived within like a minute, but there was only one officer, but just way too many people that was injured. Shortly after, about five minutes, they all arrived on site and started saving people, but it was uh, too late. Some of the people are gone already. We see so many pedestrians crying on the street, but they're not even related or even know these people. In all, 10 people were killed, 16 wounded. 26-year-old Alec Manassian has been charged with 10 counts of first-degree murder and 16 counts of attempted murder. With the year in review, I'm Omen Qureshi. Also in 2018, there was the shooting on Danforth Avenue. Two people were killed and 13 wounded by a gunman who walked along the Danforth shooting at people at random. This year-end report deals with the aftermath of that tragic incident. This is Irene Preklett with a look back at Monday, June 23rd, the day after the Danforth shooting. There was still shock and horror the day after a gunman opened fire, but there was also strength and resilience. Catherine saw the gunman but says she won't let the incident stop her from enjoying her neighborhood. I can't live my life being afraid of everything, right? So you just... You know, live your life, be smart about it, and yeah, support your local businesses. And this is what makes the Danforth what it is. Colin says he will continue with his normal routine. My daughter and I go for lunch once a week at Astoria and do our shopping here. And, you know, this, this is a great neighborhood and it's always, it's always going to be great despite, you know, the actions of a, of a jerk. Paulette feels the same. You know, it does rock you, but... You know, like I said, it's my city, it's my neighborhood, it's my street. I'm not going to live in fear. With the year in review, I'm Irene Frecklett. To help close out this final episode, we have a conversation between James Monroe and Slajana Tominsic. They co-anchor the afternoon drive on 680. Off the air, they're known for their light-hearted banter. They're also very good at breaking each other up. But when it comes to delivering breaking news on air, they're among the best. James has been with 680 since the beginning, more than 30 years ago. Slajana has been in and around radio since she was a child. That's where their conversation begins. The thing about you is that you, you basically grew up on the floor of a radio booth. I, I mean, really you're, you spent you're your whole life in a radio booth, which is insane. <laughs> like... You know, I've been in radio for a bazillion years, but you actually started from day one, basically, in a radio booth. I really did. I would have, I was thinking about this, maybe from the age of four or five, I started going into work with my mom, who was one of the hosts and producers of the Serbian language program at Shin, one of the Serbian language programs. And so when they were recording a show or going live to air, I would be in the back of Master Control with snacks and toys. And That's so cute. What felt like forever. But growing up, I realized I was in there for maybe half an hour to an hour and a half because an hour for a kid feels like all day. Yeah, but it gets so in your really blood. In it gets in your blood. And and it's something like my dad was a radio and TV repairman and he used to work on, you know, these old radios and stuff and I'd be trying to get his attention and I, you know, he'd be busy. And I think somewhere in the back of your head that that makes an impact on you. And then you're like, well, maybe I'll 
I'll go go into that line of work, you know, because I don't. I, I I'm not saying I'm trying to get my dad's attention. You know, I was going to say, did you get your dad's attention? I, I don't know, but do you think that's something that happens? I don't know, but that's it, it seems my dad owned a radio and TV, TV repair shop, and I go into radio and TV. It's a little weird. More perfect. Well, it's worked out, and in fact, my my dad um, in the 50s and 60s used to buy Rogers radio tubes. Back when, wow. back when Ted was just starting out. So in, in my place, I have these, these old, when my dad died a few years ago, I, I took like some of his old uh, radio tubes and they're literally Rogers, Rogers tubes. So wow. my, my family has a long connection with the Rogers family. So that's kind of cool too. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, you know. Did you um, save that for the podcast? That was really good. <laughs> he never told me about the tubes. Well, I don't want to sound too old, but um, yeah, so... My dad had this place, and and he bought all this Rogers stuff. And then you know, I I went to to Ryerson, which ended up being Rogers Campus, I think Rogers University or the Rogers Campus there. And then I worked here for thirty years, so it's like you know, my relationship with Rogers goes back to the dark ages. So then, so then, tell me about how you come to be at six eighty. So I go to Ryerson and uh, Toronto Metropolitan University, and. Uh, one of my teachers, in fact, two 680 legends uh, were my teachers, uh, John Hinnon and Russ Holden. They both taught me. And uh, I remember I liked Hinnon more because he never gave us any homework. There was never <laughs> any homework. Russ Holden would kill us with homework. But uh, literally two weeks before 680 was launched, uh, John Hinnon hired me to come in and work at CHFI. And I didn't know anything. No one knew anything about 680. It was a, a corporate, you know, a, a state secret. So I come in, I work for a couple of weeks, and then I come in one day and everyone's crying because they're the old CFTR crowd. The 680 CFTR all hits people and they're distraught because the news is, has been, you know, broken that, speaking of breaking news, mm. that they're changing the format. And it was it was very distressing on everybody because it was a horrible thing. A lot of people lost their jobs. And I'm standing there, like literally seeing these people cry, going, what have I gotten myself into? I've been here two weeks. <laughs> and then and then the panic ensues. Oh, God, we got to launch an all-news station. And that, that was, uh, I think, a week or so or more. I can't remember. And everyone was stressed because no one knew what they were doing. And the crazy thing was I, I literally, the day 680 News launched, I graduated from Ryerson the same day. So there's this old video on YouTube, and I'm, I'm wearing a tie, a shirt and tie, which I haven't worn since. I was going to say, you don't see that often anymore. Right, yeah. So I, I, for the first time in my life, I wore a tie, and, uh, and it was because I was graduating from university later that day. So you couldn't come up with better timing. I literally walk out of university and into 680, a 30-year career. Like, you can't make this stuff up. My whole life has been completely entwined with this place. It's going to be another 30 years. But so when did you come in? I mean, I, I roughly know when you came on the scene, but when? How how deep into this whole thing were we? Where where were we? I I see. I didn't graduate and come in the same day, but I did graduate my program and come in uh, a few months after that. I when I decided that I needed a piece of paper to be in radio. Everyone laughed at me because... Even though you knew more than anyone else, but yeah. That's the thing. So I, I had students coming in to sit with me to learn about the board. And I had students coming in who were third and fourth year students at Toronto Metropolitan University. And they'd never seen a console and didn't know what it was like to be in a studio. And I was a 16-year-old showing them how it was done. And 
I wanted, though, I wanted a piece of paper that said that I knew how to do this. So I chose a program at Seneca College, and it was an outstanding program with outstanding profs. I chose to do the fast-track version, which I wouldn't recommend because it was two years and 16 months. Very difficult, but, um, but I think it paid off. One of my professors there was Peter Gross, and he was the news radio professor. And uh, he suggested that, that I maybe try my hand at news. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous because news is boring. Who wants to do news? I thought, you know, if anything, I'll do music radio or I'll go back to production or, or something like that. And so when it came time to do uh, the internship, he suggested I call Ann Lavery. He said, I have someone at 680 who might be able to help you out. And I thought, oh, I don't know, the news. And I don't know, oh, that's really. And so I called Ann and I left her a message and she called me back very quickly. And she said that it just so happened that she had a cancellation in the lineup of students that she did have and that she had an opening for me. And so I came in for the interview, and I still remember walking into the newsroom with her when we were upstairs on the fifth floor at 333 Bloor here. Um, You would go down the kiss hallway, and then you'd swing open the door. And I still remember, and the business department was there to the left, and the way the door swung open, all this energy, this activity, and and just this trying to relay information quickly and accurately. It was in the air. It It was fascinating. And that was the first time that I thought, well, maybe news isn't that boring. It's funny. I spent my whole life basically in newsrooms or near newsrooms. And it was always the grouchiest place on the floor. And now, uh, I was the youngest person back then. And now that I'm the oldest person in the newsroom practically, <laughs> it seems like such a youthful, energetic, fun place. Either either I'm seeing it from a different perspective mm-hmm. or it has changed. But it's a way more fun place to be than when I started. When I started, people were throwing typewriters around, screaming and yelling. It was terrifying. It was a, it was a terrifying in, environment. And thank God that's changed. And uh, and I think a lot of it is because my perspective has changed. Okay, so you didn't intern. You came here straight away. Have you, uh, have you seen a high turnover of, of uh, interns turned employees? Well, I mean, a lot of the people that I work with on a daily basis actually were interns here. And I, I don't, I can't even think of them as interns because, well, yeah, you, for instance, because I, I mean, God, I can't even imagine you as an intern. I mean, I'm sure we worked side by side back then, but you came in as kind of a, a fully formed creature anyway. I don't count really, do I? <laughs> no, no. But I mean, a lot of the people we work with every day uh, came into the intern program and, you know, you learn hands-on schools can only do so much. You need to get into the workplace. You need to put your hands on things. You know, it was a really cool point while I was interning. There was one time I was working a weekend shift and an editor came to me and looked around and there was really no one else. And so that was one of the good things about being an intern on a quieter shift or maybe when there weren't as many people around because you got to do things that normally you wouldn't. And so he just looked over at me and, are you are you busy? And I was like, no, I'm not. Okay, can you rewrite this? And I need this for air in, I don't know, it was like five, ten minutes. And I thought, oh my gosh, what? How? Who? And so I just started writing and I tried to shorten it, make it relatable and uh, make it easy to read and talk about. And X minutes later, I heard the anchor reading the copy that I wrote word for word. Wow. 
That's a big feeling. I remember that. I remember that kind of thing back when I first started here. And, and I worked with these radio legends that had worked all over the place. And then I'd have to write a story and then kind of give it to them and just kind of oh. hope to God that, they that it went it okay. That they didn't come out and throw a typewriter at me. <laughs> anyway, join us next week for another interesting <laughs> uh, podcast chat with Jimmy and Slatty. And uh, we're done. That's enough. Oh, hey, enough. I don't know if it was recording. Oh, good. <laughs> That was co-anchors of the Afternoon Drive Show on 680, James Monroe and Slajana Timinsic. There are many talented and creative people who have contributed to the sound of 680 over the years, including writers and producers. They have been instrumental in creating what is referred to as imaging. Some of the talented writers over the years include Greg Stevens, Dave Calvert, and Chris Ferguson. And those who have worked their magic in their production studios include Stuart Hamill, Elizabeth Hart, and Corey Bray. Here are just a few examples of their work. Listen three, four, five times a day. Halloween is coming. And you know what's really scary? Trying to get through traffic and time to go trick-or-treating with the kids. Once again, Daryl Dahmer will don his Superman costume to help you get home. Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Daryl Dahmer's Skymaster 1. Our gift to you this Valentine's? Breaking news, traffic, and weather. What else did you expect? Happy Valentine's Day. Our meteorologists at 680 News take pride in getting things right with all the latest weather technology. But if they get it wrong by more than three degrees... Uh-oh. You could win over $9,000. When you need to know... On the go. Got a fire truck across all three lanes. Traffic is squeezing by. Single file basically cutting across the bullnose and using one of the on-ramps to kind of get by this. The best traffic reports in the city. With traffic and weather together every 10 minutes on the ones. Toronto's number one for breaking news, traffic, and weather. This is City News 680. Everywhere. That is just some of the work of the writers and producers who have contributed to the creative sparks and audio punctuation marks on 680 over the past 30 years. So, what will the next 30 years bring for City News 680? No doubt, even more and faster changes. When 680 started 30 years ago, the World Wide Web was a new thing. There was no Twitter, no Facebook, no TikTok. And now we're entering the new world of artificial intelligence. Depending on your point of view, AI will bring amazing opportunities or frightening threats. Like the internet, it's probably a mixture of all that and more. When it comes to finding useful and truthful information, there will always be a need for human voices to tell human stories. Authentic voices to provide information and facts that listeners need to help them make decisions about what to wear, how to navigate the highways, and how to stay safe. Will there be another podcast 30 years from now that tells the story of 60 years in the rearview mirror for City News 680? That remains to be seen, of course. But if it happens, the people telling that story could very well include Mitch Burke and Samantha Knight. So it will be in very good hands. At the start of the podcast, I mentioned the name change from 680 News to City News 680. 
Ever since City TV was added to the media mix at Rogers in 2007, there had been talk of merging the TV and radio newsrooms under the banner of City News. For some, it was very difficult to say goodbye to the name, 680 News. It was an iconic brand that had made its mark from the very beginning. But for others, adding City News was not really an issue because it's also a legacy brand that traces back to the mid-1970s when it had a reputation in Toronto of being everywhere. From the City Pulse newsroom, this is Toronto Television, City TV, everywhere. Anyone living in Toronto during those years can vividly recall the voice of Mark Daly and that word, everywhere. So when it was decided to merge the brands in 2021, it made perfect sense that the new production on 680 would include that word. Toronto's number one for breaking news, traffic, and weather. This is City News 680, everywhere. And so, after 28 years, 680 News became City News 680. And everyone adapted, including the 680 News team and the listeners. The ratings continued to be robust, especially during COVID, when people really needed important information to make decisions for themselves, their family, and friends and co-workers. The bottom line for a brand is that it depends so much on the people who are doing the work and providing the important services day after day. It's a simple message to each person who works at City News 680. You are the brand, and the brand is you. As Shakespeare wrote, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet, and an all-new station by any other name would be as useful. And so, those time checks we heard in episode one will hopefully be heard millions of more times over the next 30 years. Instead of 680 News Time, of course, they're now City News Time. But while they may sound a little different, they're still useful. City News Time 709. City News Time 1033. City News Time 210. City News Time 12 midnight. City News Time 404. City News Time 855. City News Time to look forward to the next 30 years and beyond. Thanks for listening. I'm Scott Metcalf. This has been City News 680, 30 years in the rearview mirror.